Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I run Strength Guild. I also run Lift for Hope. Um, and I'm the founder of the USSF. I'm a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. Sweet. Uh, now, we've got a guest with us today. Uh, and you don't hold off on that and just get to the news first? Yeah, let's do the news, then we'll get to it. Okay. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Hey, everybody, we just have some uh, Iron Radio-related news. I actually have a, a bit of science news, too, but I think I'm going to hold off till later with that. A couple of quick points here. There's just a lot going on in Iron Radio happenings. Um, one, as far as our summer funds drive, some of you know that we're sort of moving some of our audio content to a different host. Uh, we're going to have multiple hosts, though, because we'll probably end up staying with our current host for the website itself. Um, so that requires funds, and we've been asking for people to do that. And there's been a number of you who have stepped up. So I'm just going to run down a real quick list, just first names to try to be as anonymous as possible, but so you get a little bit of recognition. But Michael, thank you. Uh, Christopher, very nice. Neil, uh, set you an email. Let's see. Uh, in other news, uh, listeners don't realize, but we're recording at a different time now. So if we sound different, it's because we're drinking coffee. It's actually a... A Saturday morning <laughs> recording. The goal is going to be record now. Phil and I, you hear a slurp and you know why. Uh, and then we'll edit it up and get it um, online, hopefully on Saturdays. Um, anyway, a quick sneak peek of probable guests that are coming up. And I say probable because I don't want anybody to say, oh, you promised this or that. Well, hopefully. Uh, one, this is not going to be for another six months or so, but I spoke to Chris Peters from Sense About Science uh, his whole thing is about ask for evidence. You know, we did a show recently about changing your game and what does that require. Uh, and so I thought he'd be a real good one because his whole thing is like public knowledge and awareness, including athletes, about what constitutes good evidence. So that will be fun, I think, um, nerdy fun. Um, we've got uh, J.L. Holdsworth coming on at the end of the month. Just confirmed with him this morning. He is, um, as Phil would say, one large mammal. And he's <laughs> going to talk about um, being a lifter versus being a coach. And I think that, that'll be an interesting topic. Uh, a friend of his, Julia Leduski, and I met both these guys at a workshop, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago. She's going to come on and talk about loss of motivation uh, and how it relates to programming and just all sorts of things. And Phil, I know you've got some people that we're going to record some stuff with. Yeah. Um, so well, I got a bunch of people coming up, but the two I've got for sure right now are, well, like Lonnie said, it, it, on on paper it's for sure, but I, I hate to promise it. But um, Brandon Lilly has promised to come on. Let me pull up the schedule here. Yeah, no, Brandon Lilly will be May 31st, and then uh, Kale Beck will be the week after that, June 7th. 
And then, uh, like we were talking about, um, uh, Juliet Wendler. Mm-hmm. We're going to air that. And, uh, so, and then I've got lines out to Eric Lillibridge and some other people. So it should be good. We've got a good lineup coming yeah, up. Yeah, we do. So. Good topics, good guests. Yeah. Have you noticed, Phil, I sure you have, um, maybe this is because you have a lot of women in your gym and there's an influence. Maybe it's just because they're stepping up more. But we have a lot of expert women in the line. Mm-hmm. It seems like they... which is good. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking that more and more. And I've got some lines out to some other ones. I'm going to keep their names put away until I'm sure. So, uh, let's radio news just real quick. The ISSN thing is approaching rapidly. The International Society of Sports Nutrition, um, June 21st. Add at the end of the show, I'm going to go down there with a group of about five students. Uh, we're actually going to share some data on how coffee and caffeine affect men and women differently. So that's just that gender issue. So there's very little data on women lifters and caffeine. I mean, very little. So that'll be cool. Hopefully, because that's on a Saturday, uh, I can get some recordings with Mike Nelson because he's part of the usual nerd troupe that we, you know, sort of do this conference circuit with. Uh, And if you listen back to old episodes, you'll hear Mike on there, sometimes from uh, different conferences. Last year, I think, Phil, you and I did a call from the hallway of the hotel. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that'll be June uh, 21st. We might uh, delay if we record anything. That'll come out probably in July, because we've got uh, Julia Leduski that will probably air on June 21st. But anyway, so the ISSN meeting, if you like sports nutrition, it's a really fun meeting. I mean... It's one of those meetings where exercise, fizz people, there's coaches, there's dietitians, and then you learn all this science, and then you go drink on the beach. It's fantastic. Yeah. Where's it at this year? Clearwater. Okay. Yeah. I urge anybody that hasn't been to one of these, go. Um, personally, to me now, it's, it's, it's more enjoyable than like going to the, the Arnold or you know, the Olympia. It's just, I don't know. I'm getting old and crusty. But I like going and learning things you know, instead of just what, seeing booth babes. But... Um, yeah, I urge people to go see it. I mean, you'll learn a lot, and it's it's good for networking. So there's a little expo. So it has just a taste of that Arnold, you know, fitness weekend flavor, but without being cheesy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else here? Uh, I had made a post on our Facebook page, Phil. I'm sure you probably saw it, but about weirdness going on in the industry, and I was starting to get a little paranoid because I actually. Being science-minded, I started logging this, right? Like, is this just me? And I started writing down a series of events, and I actually had eight events in a row, just so people don't think Lonnie's this paranoid guy. And I'm like, this looks, you know, odd to me, like almost connected in some way. But we still haven't resolved this supposed lock on the ironradio.org website. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out if it's a malicious attempt or not. We've only had one malicious like hacking attempt ever uh, in the four or five years, almost five years now, uh, that we've been on. So I don't know what the hell's going on with that, everybody. Stay tuned. But as I said in that post on Facebook, Phil watches for um, trolls, you know, on our yeah. Facebook listeners page. And, oh. and I'm very careful and I, <clears throat> with the behind the scenes with the web and the web servers and all that. So. Yeah, I had some fun stuff happen on the web today. Like, I had to go on and tell everybody that comes on my site, so I got the paid form and everything. Um, all of a sudden, my host just shut me down. And, I mean, they shut the site down so you couldn't get to it. And I'm like, what the hell? Huh. 
And I call him up, and they're like, yeah, he couldn't find anything wrong with sight. And then he's like, oh, you've been suspended. I was like, what for? I was using up too much bandwidth. And I was like, really? So it's your policy to not, like, contact me and say, hey, you're using a lot of space. We need to move you. You just shut me down. (laughs) I was mad. I was, yeah. And then so I had to pay another $250 to move me now in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. So I know that's the joys of you know all this. A lot of people don't realize, although Iron Radio has grown quite a bit with this whole listener supportive model, and frankly, I think that that's where I get some of this weird vibe about some other um, internet related gurus getting a little bit antsy about us, and that's what my post was about because. We've grown a lot with a public radio kind of mm-hmm. format. More people than you would ever imagine step up and say, you know what, I like better programming. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, there, we can't hire. We're small enough. We can't hire people just to handle all of our tech. So Phil and I do that because, yeah. bless his heart, but Fortress can't do that. <laughs> so I only have one last little bit of news. So thanks, Michael, for uh, being patient. I am working very hard, and I just heard back for the first time, on getting uh, Iron Radio listeners a great deal on large batch uh, protein bags or cans. Oh, nice. Uh, So the whole purpose here is I'm going to choose the blend as best I can, probably some type of whey or whey casein blend. Uh, There's some advantages to casein. Some people have some concerns about it, but there's really good things about both, and um, that's what I want to do, and eventually this summer, as soon as I'm done with my summer class that I'm doing online, um, put that in the store. Like, Phil and Rob and I will probably add just one or two products every so often, build the store very slowly. But, I mean, that's something we all need, I think, is, a, you know, who doesn't want, like, a 20-pound bag of, of whey or whey casing blend for cheap? You know, it's also mm-hmm. good and tastes good. So, uh it's not something that I'm directly going to make money from, or, you know, Phil or I, maybe we'll make a little portion putting it in the store, to be fair, but the whole point is I want to get stuff like coffee and protein and the stuff that we all use for really good prices. Yeah. So, and that's awesome. Good times. So, Mike. Yeah. So we got Mike Mike Williams on. Let's talk about you for a minute, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll go to the questions. All right. Sounds good. Um, so Mike is a power lifter, but other than that, you're uh, you're a firefighter. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, paramedic firefighter. Paramedic. And where are you at now? You're originally from Ohio, right? That is correct. Yes. <clears throat> where are you at now? Uh, Denver. Denver. So have you had to go up and fight any of the 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 fire the uh, forest fires or anything up there? No, I try to stay away from the high speed gardening. <laughs> I just keep it keep it to buildings and sick <sighs> people. <clears throat> nice. So in general, let's talk about. You know, you're training to, you know, be a firefighter. I've had to talk to you a little bit about we had to make a few adjustments right. to uh, to training. But, you know, what in general do you guys have? On, I know here, sadly, in my town, there is no, uh, what would you call, standard for fitness for firefighters in my town. But in a town 30 minutes from me, there is, and I actually have firefighters from that other town that come to me um, for training. Do you guys have anything in place there? Um, we have just, it's basically department specific. Uh-huh. Uh, we do have a fitness guy, but um, as far as his training goes, we just have some, basically like a weeder power tower and some machines and dumbbells, but we also do uh, more functional stuff with uh, flipping tires, carrying tires and stuff like that. Uh, right now, though, my days at work are my rest days, thanks to you, Phil. <laughs> Is there any standard, though? Like, if somebody is, like, 
like sadly, I mean, I go, I have a fire department that is literally two blocks from my gym, and not one of those guys will come down. And I mean, literally, their exercise is they go out and walk around the building. And if you look at these guys, they are sadly out of shape. Yeah. I, is there any? Is, and that's that's the resounding theme for the police here in my town and the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is there any kind of like actual standard in place where? You know, if you don't meet this, you're done. Uh, not particularly. It's just uh-huh. I know with our department, it's we have a yearly medical that we have to pass, and then mm-hmm. we do have a fitness test that we do, but it's not very uh, intensive. Gotcha. So uh, it's basically department specific, and obviously you have to pass the physical agility test to get hired initially. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's an interesting thing. I'm dealing with one of the higher ups at the the fire department in Lawrence where KU's at. And uh, he had a big argument with the whole department on, they were trying to spend, I forgot how much money, like $9,000 to send four people to some certification program and then another $10,000 or something to put into helping recruits get better, more fit. Mm -hmm. And his argument was, hey, man, they already have to pass this test to get in. We're already working enough on them. He wanted to spend the money on the existing fire firefighters. Mm-hmm. Let's get the, let's keep them in shape. It was like that that made more sense to me. It's like you know the guys that are make it are going to make it anyway, so they have to pass this test. And uh, I don't know. It seemed like uh, with their department, I don't think there's a like a standard. It's just more self imposed. All the people there, hey guys, we need to be in shape, right? Type of thing. And um, up here in Denver, um, having worked with several fire departments in Ohio and here in Denver, just the culture out here is a lot different from back mm-hmm. east. Um, there's more of a concentration on fitness out here just in general because if you're not in shape, you're going to be breathing hard just doing anything because it's hard to breathe up here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, but also is the availability. We have a contract. Our department has a contract with a rec center where we can go and work out on our off time for free. Um, and there's a CrossFit box on just about every corner yeah. around here. So there's a lot of that out here as well. Yeah. You know, if I can add about Ohio, um, I have a friend who's a, a paramedic, and, you know, he's talking about some of the guys he works with related to, the, you know, the fire department and whatnot. They're so fat that he's afraid he's going to have to be saving them in addition to the people who he's trying to save. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, a fire department actually brought me up there specifically to try to change their culture a bit about fitness. Uh Again, up by Cleveland here in Ohio. And um, so I just worked on everything from motivation to helping them eat better. I mean, obviously, I'm talking about a lot of nutrition stuff. But the impression that I always got, and Michael, you can correct me, but is that, yeah, there seems to be initial fitness standards. And then it's almost like the way a lot of government spending works. There's sometimes money for the initial capital purchase, and then they just let it rot. <laughs> you know, And I'm afraid that that's kind of what happens is that there's – there's not rigorous ongoing monitoring of yeah. fitness levels once you sort of cross that bar and make it in. Does that seem yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only speak from my personal experience, but um, back in Ohio, that was kind of the thing. But the department I was on back there, we had our union-required physical fitness test. It didn't determine our job, but we did get some uh, incentive should we – keep a higher level of fitness. It was kind of a rudimentary test, some treadmill and some lifting. Out here, we do have the same kind of test, but also if we're unable to pass it, 
or we get a lower score on it, our fitness guy will sit down with us and we can develop a plan to improve our oh. fitness level. So, well, yeah, I've done some, some like you, Lonnie. I, I've done actually some free seminars for fire departments and stuff. Um, one of the things that I've worked on is, and it, I guess it's been an eye opener for um, a lot of the fire departments was. You know, I see, at least around here and when I was in Phoenix, there was a big um, emphasis on cardiovascular fitness. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do, I would lay my big 280-pound butt down. I was like, okay, pick me up and get me out of this building. <laughs> and and uh, a lot of them couldn't do I, it. I dare. And it was, <laughs> you know, so, and that was kind of my way of emphasizing, you know, it, yeah, it's great to be able to go all day, but what are you going to do if you have some big dude in the building? you got to get him out. Or even, you know, it's... It's not an easy task to pick up even 150 pounds of, of dead weight yeah. and carry it. And it was, so right. it was, you know, I was trying to emphasize some strength too, um, you know, for, for the firefighters. But um, how much of that do you guys got? I mean, how what what is the general consensus of? I, I know you can only speak from from like what you see, but mm -hmm. the, the guys you work with, um, is there is there a big, big emphasis on strength? Or is it more cardiovascular? Or? Uh, it's a little bit of both. It's based a lot of it is cardiovascular, especially at the at the fire station, simply because of the uh, equipment we have. We don't mm -hmm. we don't have free weights, and we only have dumbbells up to fifty five pounds, so uh, you can only do so much with that. Gotcha. <laughs> but um, it's it's a mix of both. I mean, in our fitness test, we do push ups, we do uh, sit ups, we do um, step ups for our cardio to test what our, um, how our resting cardio is, and then also we do, they just have a rudimentary uh, body mass calculator thing. Gotcha. So. Do you guys do that awesome little test? I can't tell you all of the, uh, the things in it, but I had to get a girl ready for it. Uh, she had her annual test here for the fire department, and it was like, they had an anvil, and you got to hit it so many times to get it across the line, and then you got to run a hose, and then you got to put up a ladder, and the uh, you guys have that the combat challenge. No, this is actually like a test they had to do, huh. and you had so long to make it through it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we have several versions of that actually. Uh, the different departments use different tests. Mm -hmm. Some do their own. Some use the uh, candidate physical agility test, which is approved by the IAFF, which is the Firefighters Union. But then there's also the PAC test, which is you do all this firefighting stuff, go up the ladder, charge the hose, rescue a dummy, and then you have to run a quarter mile with a 45-pound vest. Oh. And that I actually did that one up at in the mountains. So oh. we did that one about 9,200 feet. That was awful. Yeah, that... <laughs> Well, let, let's go to a quick break, All right. um, and then we'll come back with those questions. Sounds so. good. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, there's a new development on the right side of the page. You can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, 
because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty nine U.S. dollars. So that's thirty one percent off the ninety nine ninety five uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty nine dollars. I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it uh, lower down the page. They have one hundred and eighty day rentals and one year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So, uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back again. Um, we, we got Mike Williams from Fire Department in Denver with us, and he's going to ask us some questions. So, Mike, shoot, man, we'll we'll try and fill your needs. All right, sounds good. Um, my first question is actually for Lonnie. Um, with my work, I often find myself awake between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. in the morning, and during that period, I'm just really, really hungry, and we're doing either medical or fire stuff, so there is quite a bit of uh, calorie expenditure as far as that goes. Um, what would be some suggestions for fuel during these times as far as food goes? And uh, keeping in mind that we don't really have a cooler in the ambulance yeah. or anything. That's tough, uh, brother, because <laughs> they don't partition food well when they eat it at night. You know, human beings just aren't meant to work swing shifts and night shifts and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the usual tricks that a lot of nutritionists will do, of course, is a focus on protein and fiber. And the good news is there are plenty of sources of fiber, I think, that you don't have to refrigerate. The protein is the harder one, you know, because mm -hmm. then from cottage cheese to a lot of different meats and that sort of stuff can spoil at room temperature. Uh, that's one of the things where I actually like uh, protein powders. Uh, if you keep them dry until it's time to reconstitute them with water, of course, they won't spoil when they're dry. So you could. Now, this is just drinks, and this isn't going to be as good as food. You're going to have to think about whole foods as well. But, you know, stuff like beef jerky doesn't spoil, you know, mm. uh, jerky if you want to keep it lean, whatever. Uh, but when it comes to protein drinks, uh, there are different companies that actually will, will sell. Like I think EAS makes one that's a uh, 
whey casein blend with fiber mixed in or some kind of dairy proteins with fiber. Or you could just buy your own uh, casein uh, and mix fiber into it, like from Fiber Sure or mm-hmm. Fiber. Uh, adding that to a snack goes a long way to helping you be full because protein's much more filling. filling. You know, the satiety value of protein is very high. Uh, and it's also much less likely to make you fat. There's a new uh, study that actually is circulating in the uh, ISSN circles that we were just mentioning at the beginning of the show about eating even five times the RDA does not seem to make people fat. And, uh, so protein is much less likely to become body fat as carbs or fats. You know, I think the train wreck is a lot of guys, they work late night and they go to like obviously a vending machine or uh, they're drinking Coke and that is especially bad. It seems doubly bad to do that in the middle of the night. So jerky, um, real high fiber. If you could find low sugar, high fiber breakfast cereals that you could just sort of eat by the handful. You know, um, like I said, the, the protein powder trick with fiber in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Phil, do you have any ideas about portable snacks? <clears throat> Yeah, that's a tough one. I think you covered it. I mean, go out and shoot one of those Colorado elk and turn the whole thing into jerky. <laughs> right. You know, just get a massive amount of jerky to carry with you. And I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah, that's the uh, some of the like, hard cheeses can be very portable. They make those little cubed ones, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I think you could carry around. It doesn't have to be that cold. I mean, you wouldn't want to leave it out there for days, right? But you know, it should keep. At, at room temperature for quite a shift, I would say easily, mm-hmm. um, and that's something you could toss in your mouth. And it's you know that's that's really high in casein. I mean the the byproduct of cheese is whey, so I mean it is mainly casein. Um, so that should stick around for a while. But um, maybe, other than that, no. maybe we'll crowdsource this too and just put it out to the Facebook listeners. You know, if you the yeah. ideas, Michael can pay attention to the Facebook listeners page for Iron Radio and. You know, the, it comes down to, like, recipes and portable food ideas, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I've noticed since I've been actually working with Phil the last few months. I've discovered the convenience of cooking a lot of meat at one time and just having it in the <laughs> fridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to go. So, What's next? Um, I just had a general question. Is there a – you know how marathon runners come to higher altitudes to train – is there a difference in lifting at, say, where I live, which is 5,800 feet in altitude, versus lifting at sea level? Go for it, Lonnie. This is more in your... Yeah, area. I'm not an environmental physiologist, but I work with a few. I don't even play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for the aerobic guys doing that, of course, is they're trying to get some uh, hematopoiesis, you know, some um, red blood cell uh, production uh, by living at altitude or sleeping in those tents that simulate higher altitude. Uh, but a lot of that's about transporting and using oxygen. And you mm. generally, now unless you're going to do a lot of conditioning and stuff, in firefighting you might have to keep your conditioning up. But from a purely lifting perspective, like powerlifting, that's anaerobic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can bench press one to three reps with barely taking a breath. You don't need oxygen to do that. So as far as performance-wise... The runners like to do that because the more red blood cells you have, the more erythropoiesis, you know, you tickle your bone marrow to create these red blood cells. You transport oxygen and you just become this aerobic machine. But we're not aerobic machines generally as lifters. We're anaerobic animals in a lot of ways, um, at least from a performance perspective. So I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on performance 
from that perspective at least. Maybe maybe on recovery, you know, being in a I guess a less oxygen rich environment, but uh, you know that maybe maybe it slows recovery a bit. But I mean, jeez, I mean even like the training centers in Colorado Springs, which I don't think is as high as you, but it's still up there compared to like sea level. It's actually a little higher than where we're at. Is it? Yeah. See, yeah, I mean that's where supposedly our top Olympic weightlifters are at, <laughs> you know, and even our sprinters and stuff. So I think um, like people adapt over a period of time, and I don't think I would be doing anything that requires intense, like Phil says, the recovery between anaerobic bouts is very aerobic in nature. I, you know, there's acid-base disturbances. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I'd have to go back and look up, to be honest. But uh, I would give myself a chance to adapt to that environment. Like, I don't think I'd move to Denver and then that same couple of days, you know, be doing a whole bunch of stuff. I would let my body adapt a little bit. People tend to lose weight in general, when they move to altitude, there's a lot of weird things about altitude. So mm-hmm. I think, I, you know, become a good animal at that altitude, then start training, you know, after a, a week or two of, you know, getting yourself used to it, I guess. The benefit is you can come down here to sea level and kick butt, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I can drink a lot more beer, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I just want to thank you guys for having me on this, this show today. Oh, yeah. It's no problem, no problem. Always fun. Let's talk about your training then a bit. Okay. So you've done how many competitions? Uh, I'm going to be doing my third in July. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, he started training with me, and one of the things that we had to kind of battle was, you know, we're training for powerlifting, and yet we have to be a firefighter. So, and that's, I have to, I struggle with this thing, and I, well, I guess struggle might be the wrong word, but. Um, for powerlifters, generally it's not, you know, nobody's making a living being a powerlifter. So we also have to be ready for life as well. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting. How's it worked out then with, um, cause I know you guys have some training to do, like we talked about at your place. Mm-hmm. Um, um, how, how's that working out where we have the power, powerlifting and then the, uh, the more endurance based stuff. I have to be kind of in tune with what's going on as far as my body goes because of the the 24-hour shifts that we work and we only have 24 hours in between shifts yeah so i just have to listen to what my body's saying be able to say hey i need some rest today versus going down and in my basement and getting my workout in yeah and that's one of those deals where we've kind of had to do the shift work um kind of have a floating schedule almost like here's our days but it's not like monday wednesday friday type of thing it's uh you know when when you can go in because there's days where you might be on for what are your shifts like i I forget off the top of my head Uh, we work 24 on 24 off for a cycle of three shifts and then i have four days off got yeah see so offer something i just saw a study last week and I don't have the reference on me. Uh, I know some people want that in the show notes. I can't always do that. Uh, But there are two things that I know kick off your biological clock. I mean, chronobiology and the chronobiology of eating is a whole interesting topic in itself. And we've actually talked about that on past episodes a little. But two things. One is um, if you are on a swing shift, and I don't know how much this applies to you specifically, Michael, but... um, Blue light, you know, like comes off your laptop, uh, basically, mm-hmm. 
or a TV screen. That is a signal to your pineal gland and your endocrine system that it's daytime, wake up. So if you want to go to sleep, I would avoid that as much as possible. Um, I've actually got a little software program on my laptop that's called F-Lux, F.Lux, and it makes the screen reddish at night because that's not as disturbing as the white blue light. So anyway, when you want to wake up, uh, purposely put something like a light in your face. You know, like I'll roll over when my alarm clock goes off in the morning. I'll turn on the light um, and lay under that day bulb. You know, before I even go down and get my coffee, I hit snooze on the, you know, on the phone, uh, on the alarm. But anyway, slowly, I know that's going to wake me up. So blue light or white light like a computer screen to wake up, avoid it to noodle down because, again, uh, photobiology is real. And the other thing I've, I've heard from a nutrition perspective is carbs and insulin uh, are triggers for your body to start the day. So when you want to start a day, um, you know, the whole cellular clock thing, we talked about that last fall a little bit when we were in Spain, but... Um, blue light, white light like a computer screen, and carbs are not too many carbs to make you sleepy, of course, but uh, enough to, you know, tell your body, hey, let's, it's time to start the day. You can actually manipulate nutrition and light to try to set the chemical stage so it's not as much of a struggle. So just a thought. Yeah. And then how, how what would you do <laughs> nutrition? I know what me and Mike are working on, but, um, you know, nutrition-wise with, Varying your carbs as far as shift work. I mean, would you have an emphasis then on off days when we're able to train harder, um, or and then you know lower carb at work, or how would you go about that, Lonnie? Yeah, there's different schools of thought on that, but I would, I would probably try to periodize, you know, balance the nutrition with the training. You know, if you're going to train your butt off today, yeah, maybe let yourself have extra oats or potatoes or whatever, you know, during that day. You know, just yeah. so you can make some gains and that sort of thing. I, I avoid carbs to such an extent. But at the same time, I've heard military guys speak at, at uh, workshops, and one of the things that they were saying, at least they do, I can't speak for all military personnel, but these special ops guys were saying that they tend to avoid carbs because they worsen jet lag. I've seen any real research on that, but... So I guess there's sort of a trade-off. You know, you got to fuel yourself enough to grow and lift, but on the flip side, you don't want to have carbs swinging to the point that you're you're feeling crushed all the time, almost jet lagged. You know what I mean? So yeah. The other tough thing that I deal with with because I got a lot of firefighters here. The other tough thing we deal with is, you know, if I give them say a brutal squat workout, we have no clue what their workday is going to be like. You know, we might do a brutal squat workout, and then they go to work, and it's like, oh, four-alarm fire. Great. I can't hardly walk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. Or, you know, well, some 400-pound dude just decided to die, and we got to move him, you know, type of thing. And it's like, wow. So that that's a tough one, too. I mean, have you had any issues with that, Mike? Um, well, as we talked about earlier this week, the shift we had recently where we were doing some vehicle extrication – and our fire chief wanted us to open a car door with nothing but an axe and a halligan bar. <laughs> so, um, and then having to come home and do a bench press workout was pretty pretty brutal. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess, I suppose in, in the grand scheme of things, it would be better, uh, you know, you're not an athlete, you're a firefighter first. So it, it's better that, 
work gets in the way of training instead of training getting in the way of work. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it'd, it'd be a bad thing if somebody died because you had a brutal squat workout and you couldn't save them. Right. Um, type of thing. So that's that's the weird things that we have to keep in mind. And it's I guess it's it's one of those deals. I, I have to deal with it with every client, but more so with somebody in your position. I don't want to throw a workout at them right off the bat that it just kills you. Right. <laughs> you know. Smart. So it's like easing things up in intensity and and volume. And it's uh, I don't think I don't know how if if many people think about that. Um, well, you know, Phil from. A nerd perspective, I've actually measured it in the lab, and I'm not winning any Nobel Prizes with this one, but you're about 15% weaker when you're really rocked with soreness. So I think yeah. that's really smart. Like maybe the progressions <laughs> are a little more slow or gentle. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, I, I've actually felt that when I used to do martial arts or when I was lifeguarding. You know, if my legs were rocked, I'd have a much harder time doing other things, you know, Um and I suppose that's similar with Mike. You know, he doesn't want his quads or his glutes to be so rocked he can barely get up a ladder. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those days. It's not yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But so. it works really well with the uh, the sub-maximal training that we're doing right now. It it works really well, and I can I can actually function at work. So, On a typical day, I mean, what strength-wise, what is it that you've, you would face? I mean, what's... Uh, on a typical call, is there, you know... Well, 80% of our calls are are medical. Mm-hmm. So, and I work in a small small department north of Denver, actually, where it's a newer community, so there's we don't have much fire. So gotcha. all of the exertion, most of the exertion that I would expend would either be uh, lifting, say, carrying a patient down a flight of stairs, or... Um, training just on our on the fire ground, just general training uh, with just uh, firefighter like throwing ladders and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. let's talk about um, the entrance the, uh, exams, I guess, for for lack of a better term, um, the physical side of becoming a firefighter. Mm-hmm. What what did you have to go through? I think the listeners might be interested in that. I mean, what what were the steps uh, physically, not not you know job preparation, but uh, right. you know what what did they make you go through um, in, in preparation for it? I've taken, as I said before, all the tests that I've taken: the CPAT, the the PAC te- or the PAC test, and the Combat Challenge. Uh, they're all kind of different, but they're all aimed at getting your legs taxed and your aerobic capacity taxed and then forcing you to work even more. Um, gotcha. So you're going to be climbing stairs with a load. You're going to be um, doing maybe a search, a simulated search in a low visibility environment, stuff like that. And then at the end, you're going to have to drag a 180-pound dummy 75 to 100 feet. So, so basically, they they want you to get your aerobic capacity up while maintaining that level of strength that's needed to uh, perform the duties on the fire ground. Is is your fitness left up? To, so at the academy, is your fitness left up to you, or do they have some kind of uh, regimen they put you through to get ready for these tests? Um, as far as the academy, you have to pass the agility test to be able to go to academy. 
Um, okay. the, the initial agility test is just to be able to uh, be hired. And then once you go to the academy, and granted, each academy is different. Um, I know of departments that have a very rigorous uh, physical fitness program where they mm-hmm. look at, they just do crazy amounts of physical fitness. Their first two hours of the day are usually devoted strictly to physical fitness, mm-hmm. and then you do the rest of, of your day, which would include either class time or uh, fire ground operations. So, Gotcha. So, but I mean, in this, so, is there a test at the at the end of the academy or just the test to get in? I mean, uh, it's mostly just the test to begin and then you continue uh, with the physical fitness program throughout the academy. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then okay. once you're once you're hired and you get online, then it's up to you and your crew to maintain that that level. Hey, how long is that academy training? How many weeks? Um, it depends on the academy. They can range anywhere from 12 weeks to 16 weeks, depending on if there is an EMS component to it. Okay. So if you want to become, if they require you to become an EMT and you don't already have it, they'll put you through that as well. Hey, I've got one last question, uh, and then if Phil has anything, of course. But I've always wondered, I think maybe this is too progressive, but when we talk about strength as a requirement, it almost seems like it would behoove a fire department to have, I mean, everybody's got a base fitness level, but mm-hmm. to have one big strong guy, maybe one guy who's got more endurance, <laughs> you know what I mean? Almost like a, a team yeah, um, with right. specialists. I, I know you guys aren't the Avengers. Do <laughs> <but laughs> you ever feel like, you know, there's an advantage to having one guy who's just buffer or stronger in some way? They can say, hey, Mike, help with this one. You know what I mean? There really is, and I'm not that guy on our crew. <laughs> we have a we have a kid on our crew that's about, and I say kid because he's he's like 22, but he's about six two two sixty, and he's pretty solid. So the uh, there is definitely a team component to it. We um, we have a really strong guy, and then we also have the little guys that can burrow into places where, say, he can't go. So yeah, um, okay. And that's what I've seen I mean, now the, with, with some of the ladies. I deal with some of the ladies that are smaller. And so our goal for them would be like, uh, strength-wise, I need to be able to pick up this freaking hose and you know, run it out. But that's kind of the extent of that. And then I guess their benefit is, yeah, being that smaller person that can go through nooks and crannies. That, the first person to go through a window is them, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Right. So, no, that's an interesting concept, Lonnie. I think we should, we should meet with, like, the International Fire Department and start talking about this team thing. You need the big guy. You need the small guy. You need yeah, should, it's, good stuff. it's progressive. Now, obviously, everybody has a base level of fitness. You can't have the guys, that are, yeah. you know, the power lifter who's enormous, that he's grabbing his knees up a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So especially so yeah. far. But you would think that, let's put it this way, if my house was burning down, I would love to have a guy that was strong enough to throw my wife and my son over his shoulders and just run out of the house with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it was a good time, Mike. We'll, we'll call it a day there. All right. Um, if, if, if people think anything else, like on your nutrition question and stuff, we'll, we'll post it up and see if they, they can answer that. But um, 
Yeah, but it was a joy. Thanks thank for filling us in on kind of the firefighter side of it. Yeah, so thank it's, always, it's always nice to have something different. Thank you, guys. And I just want um, everybody to know if they have any questions or they want to get into the fire service to shoot me a message on the Facebook page. There you go. There you go. Yes. <clears throat> Until next week, everybody, we will uh, return with who, who's next week? Jeez, I forget who we're even having next week. <laughs> next week, I think, is Brandon Lilly, right? Yeah, so Brandon next week. i got to drop him a line early in the week, and then we'll go from there. So, Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good time. Hey, sports nutrition fans, join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21 for the 11th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Hey, this is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to tell you about some of the cool new stuff us guys at Iron Radio are bringing your way. Thanks to our loyal supporting members, we have enough cash flow to start migrating to Lipson, arguably the premier podcast host, and one that serves up some very high-end shows and tools. The change will start slowly with a little backup page that can be found right now on the Lipson website. This means our occasional server errors cannot keep the show out of your hands. But as we move more and more content over to the new server, it's going to allow us to do a couple of brand new things. First, we're planning an Iron Radio app for iPhone and Android. Believe it. If you're not sure what RSS feeds are or how to describe in iTunes, apps are a very simple way to get our content, either by downloading it or even streaming it through the app on a phone or tablet. Even better, you'll occasionally see a little E on an app link that means there's extra content you can access for that show. For example, we can add extended audio to a show, or even pics like wallpapers or science graphs that support what we're saying. The iPhone app even has a search feature. Want the show with Eddie Cohen right now? You'll be able to grab it quickly. Second, you'll see an improved media player on www.ironradio.org. You can download or listen easily right from the home page with no other windows or pop-ups necessary. Third, and maybe best, we'll be adding all new bonus content. Behind the scenes, special interviews, audio articles delivered from co-host personal libraries, on-site coverage, editorials, rants, bloopers, and more. The growth of the show and the new functionality does come with some cost. Starting in June, episodes older than a year... 50 shows will become premium content. There are several reasons for this. For one, serving audio to our growing listenership through a big boy system like Lipson costs a bit more. 
Second, our RSS feed service called FeedBurner has a limit limit, so this will keep us from having to drop early episodes one at a time as new ones come out. In fact, here's a tip. If you want all the old episodes at zero cost, download them before June 2014. We're telling you now because that's how we roll. So how does premium content work? You pick up an inexpensive subscription at my.lipson.com which gets you every Iron Radio episode plus new bone dense content that no one else can hear. These subscriptions are very cheap, about two to eight dollars, and can be gotten monthly, yearly, etc. Put when you want. Further, if you're a current supporting member through PayPal, we appreciate your ongoing support. Free new content each week is possible because of your dedication. You help thousands of young lifters, or anyone, get news, education, and entertainment that they otherwise might not get. Simply email me through the ironradio.org homepage and our web guru Lonnie will buy you a year's membership on my Lipson as an iron brother or sister. Finally, let me reiterate, as we grow, we want to keep new episodes free forever while providing better services and content for the whole Iron Army. Thanks 50 times for your ongoing support. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.